Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to 855am, you're listening to Out of the Blue. I'm Donna and on the panel across from me is Matt. Good morning Donna. And on the floor we have Matilda, Matt's little sausage dog. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a bit of news for you today and we're also going to hear a bit more about humpbacks and high rises and my experience um, that weekend when I went out with Dr Olaf. Um, We'll be back very soon with today's show. our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids and come in black, white, grey and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 9419-8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. Good morning, everyone. I'm Donna, and you're tuned to 855 AM 3CR, or you're listening online, 3cr.org.au, or you're listening to our podcast, 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue for all our podcast episodes. Today, we're going to start with our new headlines, um, news headlines. First up, a 46-year-old Tasmanian woman and a 12-year-old girl were attacked by a shark in separate incidents this week in the Whitsundays in Queensland. Beta drumlines have been dispatched and will remain in the area over this weekend and will be re-evaluated next weekend depending on the catch. Two tiger sharks have been caught and killed on those drumlines in the last 48 hours, with authorities unable to confirm if these sharks were involved in the attacks or not, or even if they were the same species. Scientists in the US state of Maryland 
have given octopuses MDMA to investigate our shared past of social behavior. MDMA works in part by flooding the brain with a chemical called serotonin, and the experiment looked at whether it did the same for octopuses. Early results showed that with MDMA, they became more social, leading researchers to believe that serotonin does encode their social behavior. The discovery of a rare eastern blue devil fish <clears throat> sorry, in deep water off the New South Wales coast is raising questions about what it is doing there and whether it has been pushed to greater depths by climate change. The vast area is known habitat for the small, brightly coloured fish, but in waters less than 30 metres deep. Researchers were surveying what was meant to be fairly a fairly benign section of sandy seafloor at, at a depth of 51 metres when they discovered the fish at this depth. The discovery could be a sign that the fish is seeking refuge in the deeper, cooler waters as a consequence of climate change, but further evidence of the fish swimming in deeper depths still needs to be found. CSIRO scientists have drawn a link between the amount of plastic a sea turtle consumes and its likelihood of death, with an estimated half of all sea turtles having plastic in their gut. A study has found that once a turtle had 14 pieces of plastic in its gut, it had a 50% likelihood that it would cause death. Principal research scientist Chris Wilcox at the CSIRO in Hobart said they estimated 52% of sea turtles had plastic in their stomach. And our final news story for this morning, the International Whaling Commission has rejected Japan's proposal to end the global moratorium on commercial whaling, which has been in place since 1986. At the 67th annual meeting of the IWC this year held in Brazil, Japan urged that stocks have recovered sufficiently for the ban to be lifted and that no good reason exists to maintain a measure that was meant to be temporary. Japan's proposal received no consensus and then it pushed for a vote, which required a three-quarters majority to pass. However, it only achieved 27 votes in support, with 41 countries against and two abstentions. We'll be back very soon. Help 3CR support the rights of Indigenous Australians. They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care and also others were... The recognition were... of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 941983 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. You're listening to 855 AM 3CR and this is Out of the Blue with Donna and Matt and Matilda today. <laughs> <laughs> that last song was called The Lost Song by the Cat Empire. So um, a few weeks ago, I had the privilege to head out in Gold Coast Bay with uh, Dr. Olaf Maynecki and his research assistant, the fabulous Holly, in a program called Humpbacks and High Rises. Humpbacks and High Rises, for those of you who haven't heard of it, um, we interviewed Dr. Olaf on the 3rd of June, so a couple of months ago now. Um, so you can download our podcast and hear all about it. But a quick re recap. Um, it's an independent, not-for-profit research organisation which is dedicated to research and protection of whales and dolphins in southeast Queensland, so based out of the Gold Coast. Um, and their research, the focus of their research and adaptation strategies on coastal impacts caused by urbanisation 
for the benefits of marine mammals in our coastal community. And the group run expedition weekends over the winter months and use citizen science to collect data on migrating humpback whales in the Gold Coast Bay. Um, So yeah, I headed out with them and a bunch of other volunteers for a few days in late August and did a whole heap of whale research on a teeny tiny boat out in the bay. Um, And it was a really fun weekend actually, got to meet some really cool people um, and yeah, did a whole lot of whale watching and there were whales everywhere. So welcome back from your sea voyage. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Like a salty sailor now. I didn't get seasick. That was good. It was pretty calm. Did you stay out overnight or were they day trips? They were day trips. So we went out the first day. So we got there on Friday, met everyone, got briefed about what we had to do and what we were looking for and how to take a good photo. It's incredibly difficult to take a good photo of a whale. Um, I spent most of my time kind of in awe and most of my photos were just of slack water. But the aim was to um, take a photo of the tail, the fluke of the whale so so that they can... Yeah. yeah, so we could identify all the different whales that we were coming across. On what the, sort of distance did you have to take your photos from? Um, so where, because it was a research, we had the boat has a research permit. We were able to get quite close. So, but it's then just a matter of like getting there at the right time as well before they dive under. So yeah. we were within like a few. I don't know, maybe like 10, 15, 20 metres and then further away as well. Okay. Um, Yeah, so the different types of research we were doing was, first of all, like identification. So looking at um, IDing whales by their flukes and seeing their different behaviours they were performing. So we also learnt about uh, different ways to identify like a playful behaviour, aggressive behaviour, um, feeding or it's not a feeding area but we did go over like what whales look like when they're feeding in the water when we know they're about to dive um, that kind of thing as well so it was really interesting learning about the different things they do did you the time you were out there did you get to recognize individual waves and whales and did they have sort of behaviors that gave them away or more so their fluke patterns gave yeah. them away there were a couple that we did see a couple of times and we would follow uh, groups and pairs as well and just follow those for say like an hour or two or half an hour depending on um, how close we were and if others would in the area were displaying more interesting behaviors yeah. as well yeah so most of it was yeah taking photos of flukes and also measuring dive times to see how deep or how far they were diving for and also having a look at um, different markings on them and we also collected uh, skin samples from them as well which was really fun and interesting too. So we did that by um, when whales dive they – it's like the dive is like an exfoliation for them. Right. So there's bits of their skin, like us, sheds off. Okay. So once they've dived in the water, we zoom over in our boat and like scoop up bits of um, their skin yeah. and, yeah, store it on ethanol for later analysis. But it's really interesting because it leaves like a footprint so you can still – that's what they call it. So you can still see like – this yeah kind of slack water where they've okay. dived down into it's really cool do you see that do they do that on every time they submerge or just specific sort of deep dives um, when we could get close enough before yeah. the footprint kind of disappeared yeah yeah. yeah yeah 
And <clears throat> was any of the research in the water with the whales or was it all from the boat? All from the boat, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they also had a different – we didn't get to do this because the weather wasn't, like, perfect for it. But they also launch a drone into the sky as well to collect the blow from the whales, so yep. basically whale mucus. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so they use a drone to do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a bit windy and, yeah, for safety reasons and for – being able to recapture the drone once it's caught the yeah. samples as well. I think they've lost a couple because um, they're quite difficult to catch and launch and that kind of thing. So they've got to have really good conditions for that too. That's um, pretty pretty good thinking. It's probably not what the drone designers had in mind when they first probably invented not. it. Yeah, really <laughs> probably creative. not, no. Yeah. <laughs> but So, yeah, Gold Coast Bay, I didn't actually realise it was a bay, to be honest. I just thought it was the Gold Coast and that was it. But yeah. it's more like a resting area for whales, so migrating up and down down the coast. And what direction are they migrating when you're up there? So from May to August, they're going from south to north. Yep. And then they do what they do up north. And then August through November, they're coming back down the coast. So resting with their their young in okay. that, in that so, bay. So that, that was their turnaround point where you were? Yeah, That's it probably would have been. Those, it probably would have been the tail end of them going north. Okay. And then, I mean, in September, like a couple – when was it? A couple of weeks ago, I was back in – um, on the Gold Coast and down to Byron Bay, and they were everywhere there too. There were so many whales in yeah. Byron Bay. Yeah. yeah, so they would have been back on their way down. So they have a spell up at the Gold Coast pretty much before they turn yep. around? I think so, yeah. Do you know, yeah. is there a lot of food up there? Is that why they selected, or is it just a temperature thing? More of a resting area, yeah. yeah. So resting, birthing, I think, up north more so, and then feeding is more down south. Yeah, yeah I think the waters are a lot more um, like more productive down there. Yeah, more yeah. productive down south, yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so it was a really fun group and we got to have a look at the – so the next day – so on the Saturday we were out on the water collecting samples and taking bad photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next day we kind of went back in the lab. We were going to go back out on the water but the weather was really bad um, so we couldn't go back on the boat again. Um, but yeah, so we spent like half a day in the lab doing, um, analysis of the photos. So we had all the photos up and we were comparing them and yeah, seeing cool. if there was the same animals there that were there last year and that kind of thing. So it was really interesting. Did you get an idea from that? How many individual whales were in the area? Yeah, we saw the photos we took, we saw nine okay. different ones. Um, I'm pretty sure it was nine, but there were so many others. Mm. Like that was just the nine that we followed and yeah. took photos of. But there were, yeah, there were so many more. Yeah. Was it just humpbacks up there? Uh, yeah, that's all we saw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they have, I think they have southern rights as well up and down the coast. Yeah. But we didn't see anything. But yeah, but humpbacks. Yeah, we saw heaps of dolphins actually. Okay. Um, like you know, bow hopping as we were yeah. going back in. That was kind of cool That's too. Good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so did you manage to get any whale snot sampled at all or was that <laughs> a write-off because of the weather? Yeah, unfortunately that was a bit of a write-off because of the weather. Um, but that, it's quite interesting. So they're still kind of – that project's a bit of a work in progress and they're still trying to find out um, like how to get, I guess – better collection methods and improved long-term storage for those mucus samples because yeah. um, it is a bit tricky to collect and it can be, you know, a bit um, – I mean, given that they're only migrating 
for those few months of the year, there's only certain times and then again, certain days where you can go out and actually try and get it. Like it's really got to be perfect conditions to do that. Um, And then you've got to, yeah, be in the right place at the right time to be able to get that close to get the whale blow. But it's a really interesting, interesting thing. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting trade-off, I guess, because I I know for blue whales, they sample their poo. So, it's you know, do I sample the snot? Do I sample the poo? (laughs) Which end (laughs) do you want? (laughs) So, what what exactly do you find out from the... um, Yeah, so Sorry, the nasal mucus of the whales, I should say. (laughs) The nasal mucus. Um, So, some of the things they can find out like hormone levels was an interesting one um so they can determine hormone levels and see if um like you know male female lactating um those kinds of things so i guess a bit more about the ecology and breeding cycles of the whales um they did have an unusually high number of whales in the bay in august so not quite sure i guess what that means but um they were mostly adults and sub-adults in, in that area. And it's a bit of a playground as well for the whales. So it's a really, like if you're into whale watching, it's a really great place to go to see um, all the different kinds of behaviours. Like there were whales just like full breaching out of the water and oh, wow. slapping down and yeah. like just peck displays and um, like tail thrashing now i'm forgetting all the correct terminology sorry olaf and holly if you're listening (laughs) i do have a little card that's got all my little um notes on on what's there too and is that Um, them having fun or do they think that's like a yeah so mostly fun mostly fun there are a couple that are more aggressive behaviors but we i don't pretty sure we didn't kind of see anything like that um the other thing i will say about the blow samples um is it can it it can also indicate uh, levels of stress as well. Okay. Yep. So there's a lot of um, – so the animals, like it's a beautiful area and all that, but there are a lot of like tour, like uh, whale-watching vessels and um, jet skis and fishing boats and um, shark nets and, yeah, lots of different stuff going on in the bay as well that mm. could – that can potentially have an impact on the whales. And yeah. actually that's something we did learn a bit about. Holly was really well versed in um, all things shark nets and I learnt more about those things and, yeah, I kind of knew beforehand. Yeah. Um, they're actually not as big as I thought, but um, they catch so much stuff other than sharks. Yeah, which it's is, crazy. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I was really yeah. shocked by I, it. I think people are under the impression that they're a barrier and they're not. They're just a fishing method to reduce numbers of sharks and everything else. Yeah, everything else. It was something like one in 11 things that they catch is a shark. So they're catching turtles. They're catching um, like dolphins, I think, like baby whales. They've caught um, other fish, like so much other stuff they're yeah. catching. And like it's really distressing actually and yeah. they're not like they don't touch the bottom of the water so I think sharks can swim under them and oh yeah and um, presumably when they say shark them. as well it's you know the 99% of sharks that are harmless as well as the 1% that is yeah you know, encounters people yeah and yeah. I think they're there like one of the things she was saying was that they're like in a way they're more there to make people feel more comfortable but they don't actually make people safer so there's a lot of research that has gone into um the efficacy of shark nets and they really they actually don't work yeah i think they work politically yeah which is really 
yeah, a bizarre way to kind of handle it when you could use, you know, education and, yeah, yeah getting people to understand, you know, the shark habitat a bit better and how they're, you know, pressures that they're facing as well in their in their ecosystem. So, yeah, we learnt a lot more than just about whales and yeah. whale behaviour. It, it was a really fun weekend. So you said there are a lot of other <coughs> vessels in the bay. Um, were there a lot of sort of whale sighting vessels? Yeah, there are a bunch of whale vessels. Um, I, You know, everyone kept their distance and everything, which was really good to see. What are they supposed to keep? Is it one or 200 metres away or something oh, like that? Man. Now you're testing fair, fair me. Off, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like 50 or 100 meters yeah. or something like that. But there are pretty strict like yeah. laws and rules in place. And um, yeah, they one of the vessels was saying, I think the, if you're just stationary and the whales kind of come to you, that's all right. You yeah. don't have to like get away or something yeah. like that. But there was um, a couple of days before we were there, they were saying that one a bunch of whales were doing this thing called mugging where they come up alongside a vessel and just like they're just on top of the water and their eyes are out, so yeah. they're just kind of checking you out and they'll yeah. stay like that for a few minutes. That's so cool. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. But they didn't do that to us, but um, apparently it does happen, yeah. you know, in that area a little bit. So, yeah, that would have been pretty cool to see that. So how often do these um – these trips happen is it once yeah, a year? Yeah, yeah. So it's a few weekends every year. So through that, I think it's sort of like June, July, August, September kind of months. Um, and yeah, you can check out Humpbacks and High Rises on Facebook for more info when they're going to be running from. And um, yeah, it's just like a small boat with like six people. So you get really up close um, and yeah, get to experience whale whale research and whale watching in a really unique way which is um yeah which is really fun so that was my weekend and i'll put a bit more info on our out of the blue facebook page about that and how to contact humpbacks and high rises too if anyone's interested in in getting along to one of their weekends next year yeah that sounds great Thanks, Donna. Cool. Do you think you'll go again? I think I would go again. Yeah, yeah I had a really good time. It was so fun. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So we've got some upcoming events. We've got some upcoming events before we wrap up today's show. Um, so today there's a big beach cleanup at Kalani Beach out near Warrnambool. It's happening right now. It started at 11. Um, and then on Saturday, the 26th of October, Kim, Tim Kernai, sorry, Tim Kernai from Native, Native Fish Australia is running a fish ID workshop at Latrobe Wildlife Sanctuary. You can head to Latrobe or Wildlife Latrobe on Instagram for details on how to register. And the Environmental Film Festival is happening from the 11th to the 19th of October at various locations in cinemas around Melbourne. Head to effa.org.au for screening times and tickets. Um, and if you do want to do get involved in beach cleanups, head to Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Team or and or the Beach Patrol websites and Facebook pages for more details on next lots of cleanups i think we're gonna have to wrap up now because sally's in next with out of the pan i'm donna that's matt and this is matilda (laughs) (laughs) and this is out of the blue for another week we'll be back next week at 11 30 till midday thanks for listening help precia support the rights of indigenous australians they mean to save our culture and save our 
dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline, and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care, and also others the recognition were... of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. Have a good time now. Welcome to paradise. Paradise. Paradise.